Hey friends, welcome back to season three of the Invest Your Best podcast with Allie Kay. Come along as I casually explore what it takes to live your best life mentally, physically, and spiritually by focusing on the things you can control, your thinking and actions. Come and listen as I have open, real, and honest conversations about what it takes to step into action to live your best life. It's time to invest your best. Hey guys, welcome to the Invest Your Best podcast. I'm your host, Allie Kay. And if it sounds like I'm whispering, it's because I am on the floor of my bedroom closet. I have my bedroom door locked and I have about like 10 minutes to record this introduction before my kids break in. But that's just mom life struggles. But I am so excited to share my guest for today's show. So she is a fitness, wellness, beauty, fashion influencer. She is the youngest of the Copel sisters. But most importantly, she knows a lot about gut health. It is Sophia Copel. One thing that I love about following Sophia is she has been very open and vulnerable and just real about her struggles with IBS. And as a nutrition major from Boston University, she knows her stuff. I really enjoyed talking with her because I learned a lot. So if you are someone who struggles with IBS or you think you might have IBS, this is the episode for you. So stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome to the Invest Your Best podcast. I am your host, Allie Kay, and I am so excited. I have the beautiful Sophia Copel on the show today. Hi, Sophia. Welcome. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. So this is your first podcast, really? This is my first podcast. Yeah. I'm like, do I need to rehearse? What do I do? Do I need lines? I know. It's fun. Like podcast is such a whole new space, but it's fun. I'm excited that I get to bring you on as like your first experience. No, it's going to be great. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this, but you actually have your bachelor's in nutrition. And I love that because you're also like very young to kind of like get into that healthy lifestyle. Like for me, I found out about changing my lifestyle after kids, but you kind of did it younger. So what actually inspired that journey for you to go for it? Yeah. So I was actually very lucky when it came to picking a major because I always knew that I wanted to go into nutrition and public health. At a very young age, I had just really bad headaches, just overall like stomach problems that I didn't even know were related to digestion as a child, like elementary school I'm talking about. So I quickly realized that what I was putting into my body affected my headaches and certain foods were triggers. Um, So when I went to school, I was like, this is amazing. Like food is literally medicine. 
So my decision to major in nutrition was something that I was extremely passionate about and I've never wavered from. What are some of the things that you learned about nutrition that maybe we don't know like in our everyday life? Like anything that you took, I mean, obviously you learned a lot, but what are some of the biggest takeaways that you took away from majoring in it? So I studied nutrition at Boston University and one of my favorite classes that I took is called Consumer Supplements and Health. And it's basically about the supplements that we have in America on our markets and the regulations that go into these supplements. I'm talking about like vitamins, uh, pre-workout, you know, anything that you can buy at a GMC store. That's what I mean when I say supplements. And there is a huge lack of regulation in America and it's scary. It is up to the company's discretion to find their third party testing. Like if they even do that. So there's really no guarantee that what they say on the nutrition panel of a package of pills is actually what you will get in the pill. There's no way of knowing that unless it's a great company that discloses all these things and shares their third-party testing sites with you. So to me, that was a really big eye-opener that you are the biggest advocate to your health. No one's going to do it for you. Do not trust just something that you see on, you know, a sale at the market, especially if it's like, say a prenatal, you know, like you really want to know that what is in your pill is really there and that it's potent and that it's active. So that was a big eye opener to me, not only because you trust what you buy, you know, but it really was the biggest lesson of you are your own advocate and there's no one shoe fits all. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And it's like, it's not even with supplements. It's like that supplements too, but it's also like the everyday foods that we put in our body, you know, like what's hidden in the hidden labels. And I'm kind of just getting deep in it now where I'm studying more and more about how, you know, we are what we eat. So I just want to talk and back up. Like you said, there were some foods that you were getting headaches and all that. What are some of the foods that you really focus on like during your everyday life? It's pretty interesting when it comes to like what everybody views as a healthy diet. What I thought and what I was taught in school was all the vegetables, all the fruit, these are free foods, right? Like you can eat as much of them as you want. Juice is bad because it's really high in sugar. And when I was in college is when I had the peak of my stomach problems. You know, I thought I was getting food poisoning once a month. And then I realized like, this is not food poisoning. Like my boyfriend would literally make fun of me at the time. He'd be like, you don't have E. coli, like calm down. And I'm like, no, I'm so sick. Like something's going on. Like it's food poisoning, I swear. Yeah. And then my mom was like, you can't be getting food poisoning this often. So I really took a step back and I realized it was the foods that I was eating and my body just cannot digest vegetables, like fibrous vegetables. I'm talking about like cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, kale, those things that are really, really tough. Mm -hmm. And being in nutrition, I was like, no way, like vegetables are healing. Like there's no way that they're, they're hurting me. And my mom, who's like old school Italian, she's like, oh, just go back to eating bread and pasta and like, and meatballs. The best (laughs) diet ever. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, no mom, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, she was right. Like my body just cannot take too much fiber. And interestingly enough for me, I get my grains now from juices that I was taught juice are bad, right? It was about going back, really taking a step and saying, all right, just because this book, this textbook, this professor says this is good. Does it make my body feel good? And that was like a huge eye-opening moment where I was just like, your body is 
like your only source of reason and the only place to find answers. Like you really need to listen to it. So now my main focus every day is I'm huge on smoothies because they're basically pre-digested. If you think about it, they go in a blender. It's kind of like your digestive system not having to work. I always have greens in my smoothies because it's just the way that I can get them in. Or I will do a juice that uh, usually just consists of like kale, spinach, ginger. Ginger is very good for nausea, which is one of my symptoms of IBS. Lemon, maybe celery or cucumber. I try not to do like too much apple or like carrots, things that are carb heavy, sugar heavy. I try not to put those in my juices just because you will be adding sugar. And at the end of the day, sugar acts as sugar does in your body. It might spike your blood sugar, might make you feel hungrier again in an hour. So I do try to keep it to just a lower sugar juice. I love that. Okay. So I want to back up like with your whole like migraines and stuff. So you figured out that it was fiber. Was anything like on the mental side of it? Do you think that was like affecting your digestion too? Like talk about that a little bit. I love that you asked this question because it's a huge thing that a lot of people don't know about. So there's this connection. It's called the gut brain connection. And it's a very intimate connection. You know, your gut responds to emotion. If you've ever been nervous for a test and you feel queasy, not like butterflies, that is just proof of how strong the gut brain connection is. If you get bad news and your stomach drops, like all of a sudden you're sick, that is the connection. There's a signal that goes from your brain to your gut and your gut has as many people don't know this, your gut has as many nerves as your spinal cord around the same number. So it is extremely active. It is extremely sensitive. So these connections are massive. And I was going through just a super high anxiety time of my life because it's this feedback loop of, I don't know what to eat. My stomach hurts. That's causing stress. Stress sends a signal to your gut. Then your gut is stressed. And if you are, your gut is already damaged, there's infl- inflammation there. That sends more signals to your brain that part of your body is in stress. And it's just this feedback loop of stress causing stress causing stress. And eventually that does take a toll on your mental health. Serotonin, that feel-good chemical in your brain is actually 95% of it is located in your gut. And there are studies that show like the receptors in your gut that take up that serotonin, you can actually actually regulate constipation or diarrhea with SSRIs, certain types of serotonin receptors. If you block them, it can help constipation. If you block this other receptor, it can help with diarrhea. So lovely stuff we're talking about today. But it's just crazy that these are studies that doctors are going into to help try and create medications or treatments for IBS because there really just are not enough answers right now. Mm -hmm. But for sure, there's a connection between anxiety, depression, and gut health. They go so hand in hand. I can't even begin to explain what people don't know. Like There are days where I literally have zero energy. And it's not like I have to take a nap. I'll be good in an hour. It's like I can't even like let the dog out the front door if he needs to go to the bathroom. I'm just like, I have no energy. Like, what is wrong with me? And I'll always go back to the day before and think, what did I eat? Like, what did I eat that day that may have caused this kind of a reaction? Because it's your gut sending signals to your brain. Yeah. And it's having that awareness too. It's like what you're feeding your body 
helps you feel like, how are you feeling? What did you eat? You know, I know for me, like when I have my days where I enjoy all the things, you know, the next day I am feeling sluggish. I feel low. And I'm just now getting to that awareness, like, wow, what I eat really does affect how I feel mentally and physically. But it's funny how you talk about, because this is so important with the whole serotonin in your gut. So shamelessly, I just learned this on TikTok. Oh, no shame there. TikTok's like pretty informative. I know, right? But I have, so I have my master's in mental health counseling where obviously serotonin, you know, with SSRIs and depression and anxiety, like we kind of talk about it, but never once, you know, with a treatment plan as a clinical profession, are we talking about like, hey, let's evaluate the foods that you're eating, you know, Mm -hmm. what are you feeding your body? And it's so, it's so interesting just to learn how some foods are healing too. I want to back up with the whole IBS because I know one of the things I think is so admirable about you is you have such a platform and, you know, someone might be like, wow, she is just living this perfect life and with the pictures, but you're real. You're, you're honestly sharing that you are struggling with something such as IBS, which I think so many people are, and they might, might not even realize that they're doing it, that they're struggling mm-hmm. with it. So tell me about like that whole, whole journey. Did you get a formal diagnosis? Like how did that come about? So I first started getting tested for parasites, for Crohn's ulcerative colitis when I was in college. I think I was a senior and it was like finals week. I had the absolute worst cold on top of just the stress from having IBS. And that's another thing. Your immune system lives in your gut. So when you have a damaged gut, your immune system takes a toll. It's also hyperactive because of all the inflammation from the damage in your intestine. So it's really just, you don't feel good from the IBS and then your immune system's down. So you get sick. Like two weeks ago, I had strep throat and I'm 24. Like that's pretty rare. You usually get that as a child. So it's just your gut, the damage from your gut having effects systemically, which people need to realize that it's not just localized. This causes mental health stress and it just causes depression. It can cause migraines. That's another... Just so much. It's like, I just want to inform all these people not to look at one problem as one area. It's all connected, which is something that I recently learned when I was going through these tests. They did a colonoscopy and they were like, you don't see any any ulcer. So ulcerative colitis is out. There's no inflammation. So colitis is out. So I, I was really just left with, well, you have IBS, which is I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's what they tell you you have when they don't know what you have. But that's not to diminish at all the severity of IBS. It is a real thing. And that's something that people really need to respect. And so when someone says they have a dietary restriction, not to roll their eyes and say they're difficult, like this is somebody trying to take care of their health, Mm -hmm. whether it's a placebo, whether somebody may not have a gluten allergy, if they think it's making them feel better. Like, like I said, the gut brain connection is huge. So it's just something people need to respect. That was my experience in college, as well as when I was in high school, my migraines were at their peak and they were testing me for like MRIs to see if there was tumors and nothing was there. But thank God, there's just a huge connection between the foods you eat and especially migraines. Like the first thing my neurologist did when I was, when I met with him about these headaches, he was like, we're a taking you off of your birth control because you can have these things called hormonal migraines. Yeah. There's tons of foods that I can actually trigger migraines like chocolate, spicy foods, dairy, gluten. For me, spicy foods and alcohol are ones that do trigger migraines, which 
my favorite cocktail is a spicy margarita. Oh my, mine so, too. <laughs> all the good it's stuff. Really hard. All the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the good stuff. Like chocolate. Are you kidding me? I know. And again, I'm not saying like every single one of these things causes my migraines, but these are just typically big foods that do trigger migraines. But again, where does food go? Your gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get a migraine in your head, obviously. So it, it's systemic. They're all connected. Yeah. And I feel like even so like the people listening are, I feel like want to start a healthier lifestyle. And I think like everything that you're saying is like the overall thing is like becoming aware of like what is triggering those things, whether it's, you know, depression, anxiety, or, you know, you might have diarrhea or stuff like go back and look at those foods that you're putting in your body. And I think that makes it easier too. I think especially with like diets, we're so quick to be like, oh, I want to cut all this out of our lives. And then like one day we binge on it because we can't have Mm -hmm. it. But I think it's so easy to like eliminate those foods, at least like my experience, because they just don't make me feel good at the end of the day. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're not, they're not even worth it. Yes. That is a huge game changer because I get that question. Like, how do you eat so healthy? And it's like, the feeling sick is so not worth it. It's like true. No. And I, I think once you've had those experiences of, of IBS or severe bloating, gas cramps, running to the bathroom, not being able to go to the bathroom, it's like, you wouldn't wish that upon anybody. And it's like, okay, so this quesadilla, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth, it's not even a day of my time. It's like three to four days recovery. Like, no. I know that's like me and hangovers these days. I swear ever since I like turned 30 and had kids, like I can only have like one drink, but that's another episode about the drinking. (laughs) We'll get into that one next time. (laughs) We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper to shampoo, even pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. And one thing that I love about Public Goods is that they are searching the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. And for me, that is so important. I have been so conscientious of what I feed my body along with what products I have in my house and what my kids are being subjected to. So one of the products that I'm loving from Public Goods is their laundry detergent. They have a whole line of cleaning supplies and that alone to know that those ingredients are clean and they're not harmful to my kids is so important. So I have worked out an awesome deal just for you guys. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are going to give you 
$15 off your first purchase. So you have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash Allie K or use code Allie K at checkout. That's it. Just P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash Allie K to receive $15 off your very first order. So go check them out. Talk to me about working out because I know you're living the healthy lifestyle, like we're saying, and that whole gut brain connection. Tell me about like your experience with working out and how you stay consistent with that. Working out to me is huge for waking myself up. I have, I call it brain fog, which is a symptom of leaky gut, which we can get into later, but it is a real thing. It's just like feeling really foggy, feeling not sharp, feeling confused, like forgetting sentences. So working out in the morning is just like that rush of endorphins and I, it makes me feel good. And and my mental health is just astronomically in a better place when I am working out. So this whole quarantine, I started to do this like three mile challenge, which is like get outside and walk either for three miles or run the three miles if you want to get real uh, <laughs> crazy on me over there. <laughs> but I took it to social media on my Instagram. If, if anybody out there had been following me at this time, it was my three mile challenge in on the days that of course, like not everybody wants to run three miles. I don't want to run three miles every day. So I would just walk like, or I would, I would run parts of it when I felt like it, it's all about listening to your body and realizing like, all right, if you need to walk this next half mile, like walk, it's fine. I was, I was a cross country and a track runner. Most of, uh, well, really just all of middle school and all of high school. And I'm a very stubborn person. And so once I started my like three mile run, I was like, you cannot stop until you are done. Mm -hmm. I ended up hating it. I ended up hurting myself because if I have like, if I rolled an ankle, I'm like, no, no, Sophie, keep going. (laughs) This is when I'm probably like 16, 17 years old, you know, just don't have the like bandwidth to respect my body at the time, apparently. So (laughs) now as an adult, I'm just like, no. Don't ruin the things that are good for you. Like if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, modify it. Or if you need a break, take a break. But I do think staying consistent helps you stay on a routine. So instead of skipping the three mile run altogether, it's like, all right, well, let me at least get out and walk 10 minutes. So you at least are still on that schedule. Because once it's broken, it's a lot harder to get back into it. I agree. That was like one of my like first stepping stones. And like my whole journey is like really quick, I found just moving my body 30 minutes a day. And it started off just as walking because that's all physically I could do. But like never once have I regretted a workout, even if it's walking, Exactly. you know, and you do, you do, you get addicted to that feeling of, Mm -hmm. you know, of just feeling like you can do anything, even it's just walking three miles. So I love that. Yeah. It's also great for digestion. Most nights I'll go on a walk after dinner because it just helps everything move. It creates, you know, it triggers those contractions and the movement in your entire body that's going to move food through your body. If if you're feeling really bloated after a meal, it's just like, go for a little walk. Yeah. It would feel so much better after. Yeah. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Yeah. So I know you've been traveling a lot. So how, and that's like a question that I even get, I don't travel like you, but like still, like, how do you stay on track of like, when you are out of like your structure and routine of traveling, how do you like consistently stay on track of that? So traveling is 
something I love to do. I love to bounce around. I'm actually, I'm currently in New York. My boyfriend, he plays football. So his, once his season starts, like he can't travel. So I'm now coming to him and he's from Miami, North Carolina and Texas. (laughs) And I'm from LA and Rhode Island. So between the two of us, we bounce around a lot to see friends and family, you know, weddings. Like I feel like we're constantly moving lately and it's, stressful, especially when it comes to like a routine time changes. I love to get up in the morning and have some type of like an elixir. My favorite are turmeric, ginger, lemon in the morning. Um, I have these gummies from true life. They have turmeric and black pepper in them. So turmeric is a great for IBS because it's an anti-inflammatory and the compounds that have those benefits are called curcuminoids. And when you pair it with black pepper, black pepper actually makes them more bioavailable. So your body absorbs more of them, which a lot of people don't know. Oh, I it's never not to say you're, yeah. So it's not to say that you're not absorbing any of, ter- any of the turmeric if you take it in a shot without black pepper. I can't stand when people are so like one way or the other, it's like, you're still going to get the benefits, but black pepper does make it more bioavailable. So that's something that I love to take in the morning as well as there's this elixir by Woodroot tonic. So I'll wake up in the morning, I'll have my turmeric gummies, or I'll have a shot of like turmeric, black pepper, lemon, like whatever it is. I try to have something with turmeric and ginger in the morning. And then there's this tonic called Woodroot tonic and it has chaga mushroom, which is an adaptogen. So it helps your body cope with stress and it's a potent antioxidant. There's ashwagandha in it that helps reduce your body's response to stress. And again, this isn't just stress that like, oh, I have a paper due this week or my boyfriend's not texting me back. You know, it's like, this is physical stress when your body is releasing cortisol because of inflammation and damage in your body. So as much as you can limit stress in your external life, internally, you need to do things to as well mm-hmm. take down that level of stress. So I like to have ashwagandha because that's something that's great for reducing stress. CBD I take at night. I used to take it in the morning with my coffee and I would get so many messages from people saying, doesn't this cancel out the effects? And I'm like, yeah. I guess you have a point. I don't really ever think of it like that. Like because, an upper and a down. Like- yeah. But for me, when I take CBD, I don't feel like one, you're not high. There's no THC in CBD, which a lot of people are concerned with that. There's no THC in at least the CBD I take. And if you want a little, hey, you do. I know. Yo. You do what works for you. That's like you my what motto. Whatever makes you I am sing. not judging you. Yes. I'm just saying in the morning, I'm not taking anything like that. <laughs> but so for my CBD, I did start taking it at night just because I was like, oh, let's see if this makes a difference. I don't ever feel significantly zen after I take the CBD, but it does make a big difference. Yeah, I feel zen. You do? Yeah, like I have to take it at night. I always feel like, gosh, I shouldn't be driving now. Like after I take it, just because I really do feel, but I think maybe because I'm so high, like high energy that it just really calms me down. I'm low energy. My sister jokes that sometimes you have to poke me to make sure I'm breathing (laughs) because I mean, it's funny, but it's also not funny because part of it is from dealing with IBS and just like sometimes feeling just really drained and really tired. Like there are days and even weeks that I just don't go on social media. Like I just don't, I can't, I'm just like, I don't feel like being glamorous right now. I don't feel like talking to anybody. And like, I hate to say that out loud because I absolutely love my relationship with my followers and the community on Instagram. Like they, they follow me. Like that is, I want to be communicative with them. But sometimes you just have to prioritize mental health and be like, you know what? I just can't fake it today. And I don't really think you should fake it 
I, I know some people say fake it to make it, but to personally, in my experience, that doesn't ever really make me feel better in, in the end. I like to just maybe take a day or two and relax and then come back recharged and ready to like be there and, and share my recipes and share all my tips or my trips that I'm on, you know? Yeah. And I think that's important too, like setting those boundaries. Like we all have to have yeah. boundaries like for me- and whatever it is, like setting those boundaries for your mental and physical health, you know, whatever makes you the best you. Speaking of social media, I've been asking this question a lot just because like I'm feeling the negative. I think when we open ourselves up, even on like whatever level it is and just like offer that vulnerability, we open ourselves up for criticism too and judgment. And I think social media is great. I love social media. But I think there's this now this like social media culture of people just being mean just to be mean. And you could have like a hundred followers and there'll be like that mean comment. And then I can't imagine like on your level of what you're going through. So just tell me about like, what's your experience with social media? Like reading, I mean, if you get any bad comments, how do you like handle that and not take it so personally? I think with social media, I definitely went through a really hard time when I was in college because all my friends were able to post like whatever they wanted. And, you know, when you're in your college, you're going out, you're doing probably not great things. <laughs> Just not, not something well, I that, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and like, I had this platform mm-hmm. that at the time when I was in, in high school and college, it was mainly my sister, Olivia, who had this celebrity lifestyle. And of course her followers knew she had siblings, so they would follow us. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't know how to deal with it. And it was really stressful. And I call it imposter syndrome because I was like, these people are taking an interest in my life. I don't feel like my life is that crazy. I felt like I had to live up to these beautiful, elaborate posts that like these gorgeous influencers are posting. And I'm like, I don't have that life right now. I'm I'm poor in college in a dorm that's half under renovation. Like I, my bedroom literally fit a twin bed and that was it. Oh my God. So I really didn't use social media much back then because it was just too much for me to do while being full-time in school. Like I was a science major. Like I, I had 18 hours of classes a semester, a week, one semester. Like it was insane. Like I did not have time for that. And it made me even more stressed out because I felt like I was missing out on an opportunity I'm like, you have something that people would die for. Like you have this opportunity to start whatever you want to do because you just have these people following you. But to me, that was just so much anxiety because I was 18. I didn't know what to do. I was also still not so much as I've grown, but I was an extremely shy child. Oh. Yes. So I'm like, I don't get that like, from you. That's, ah. that's interesting to know. Yeah. Well, and that's back when I really just, wasn't so great at sharing the vulnerable sides of myself. I finally grew and had the confidence to understand that my followers were following me for me. And then I offer something different from my sister. And I, I went to school for nutrition. I have IBS. I have migraines. People turn to me for that. And it's just created like a very intimate relationship with the community that I have on my platform. And now that I know that and I trust in it, and I think a lot of it was just feeling a little insecure under my sister who's like so successful and beautiful and amazing. And I love her to death, just feeling the pressure of that. And now realizing like, don't put so much pressure on yourself. You know, like if you need to take a day to just be like, you know what guys, I just, I need to hide. 
um, that I will. <laughs> and that's respectful, like respectable. And I think also I keep saying like, I didn't really truly know who I was until I was 28 years old. I can't imagine at 18 years old, like I, I was crazy at 18 years old in the sense where like, <laughs> I didn't know, like you grow with experiences too. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine like that pressure too, but I think you're doing an amazing job on social media. And it's like, Thank you. and I like how you do talk. Like if you need two or three days to just not share, because that's how you feel, I think that's that's great that you've learned to set that boundary, you know? Yeah, I think it's huge. Social media and our cell phones, texting, group chats now, you are constantly accessible. And I truly am someone that I just have a little bit of social anxiety. It's nothing crazy. I, I'm also extremely social. I love to go out, but sometimes that constant access, just the pressure of having to respond immediately, like... I can't do that. So I now treat my texts, which drives my managers insane. And my mom, she thinks I'm missing half the time. I kind of just treat them as email. Like, you know what? When I have a second, I'm going to go through and respond to people. But I I have four siblings. I'm the youngest of five. I have my friends from college. I have my sister and I's work group chat. I have my work group chat. I have my boyfriend. I have like, oh my God, it's just way too many people to be responding to all day long. You have to set boundaries. Yeah. I love that. I understand what you're saying. I'm that type of person where I have to go to my room. I I mean, I have kids. My house is always chaotic where like I have to shut the door and lock it Mm -hmm. and just have that quiet time to recharge. Like I get so drained rather Mm -hmm. than like, you know, I don't know. I just have to just have that boundary set. And sometimes like I do feel guilty as a mom for doing it. But I know that by setting that boundary, that makes me a better mom, you know, by giving myself that time. So I, I love that. Tell me what you're working on now. I love watching your career. Like just, I mean, go full force. And I think, I mean, you are so young, like doing it all. So tell me what's next for you. So what's next for me? I have some exciting things on the horizon. I'm really hoping to just enter more into the health and wellness space. This past year, my sisters and I launched a collaboration with Macy's. It was a fashion line. So, and I I love fashion. I love skincare. I love makeup. And this past year, I think that was very reflected on my page, especially with fashion and this amazing line that I got to do with my sisters, which was so much fun. So good. Um, yes. Together as a trio, like it's no, but nothing's better than working with your siblings. Yes. For my personal journey, my, my goals, you know, I would love to have my own brand in the health and wellness space, especially with gut health. CBD I mean, is something I'm really big on and collagen. I, I meant to mention that when we talked about my morning routine, collagen and L-glutamine, which are like staples for gut health. If I could have my own brand or my own like one stop, because like I said, I travel a lot and it can be very stressful to be traveling and forgetting or not being able to take all of the things that I do in the morning because I do have a bit of an elaborate morning routine. It's stressful. So to find a way to package that all into maybe one or two, three steps, like that is something that I think could help so many people and just to educate people on this condition because not many people know that they have know of it. If they have it, they don't know how to deal with it. So really just kind of bringing awareness to that and utilizing my nutrition degree. I love it. I will be your first customer. Get that going. <laughs> I'm excited. And maybe starting your own podcast. How was this? I know. Oh my God. I loved 
I loved being on this podcast. It's fun. It's like, it's just a conversation that you're just, you know, you're just having and people can listen in on. Yeah. All right. Well, Sophia, tell everyone where we can find you on social media. You guys can all find me on Instagram. My username is Sophia Culpo. It's just my name. Follow me along for tips, tricks with IBS, recipes, and some fun traveling. And you'll definitely be seeing my really cute and adorable nieces and nephews because I overshare them way too much. <laughs> You're like the best aunt. I wish my my sister and I both have kids. Our kids are six weeks apart. So we never had that experience Whoa. where like I could watch her kids or yeah. she could watch mine. But I always watch. I'm like, oh, Aurora is so lucky to have sisters like you guys to just like watch them all the time. They're so cute. I know. I'm the youngest. So I'm like, you guys better pull up when I have kids. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, by then, maybe they all be grown and then you I know. Oh, that's crazy. Time flies. Time flies. You really don't realize that when kids are in your life and you see it happening. But yeah. All right, guys. This has been another episode of Invest Your Best, and I will catch you next time.